It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Welcome to the show today. My guest is Leanne Hoagland-Smith, author, speaker, sales consultant, founder of her own company, Advanced Systems. You can find her online at processspecialist.com. So Leanne, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Andy, and good morning to you from outside of Chicago, Illinois. Yes, one of my favorite cities in the world. So rather than have me read some standard introduction bio about you, why don't you take a minute and introduce us, you know, who you are, what you do, and who you do it for. Well, that makes sense. For the last 18 years, I've been working with small and mid-sized businesses, um, helping them solve one of two problems, either people or process. And that has led to some very interesting engagements in the areas of sales as well as leadership development. And I have to say it's been an incredible, fun journey, and I look forward to continuing this journey. So how did you get your start in sales? I mean, did you start your career in sales? If you accept the fact that I started in sales at the age of 10. Yeah, that starts. That, that yeah, counts. That counts in my father's sundry store selling penny candy. Okay. And, and where, where was that? That was actually in Hammond, Indiana. He decided to be a small business owner and bought a sundry store, which back then was a combination drugstore and coffee, mm-hmm. quick food counter. Yep. And also at that point in time when he needed help, I went to the other side of the store and made milkshakes and sundaes and served coffee and donuts, as well as filled the stock shelves. Then what was your first professional start in sales? First professional start that was not employed by my father, I actually sold popcorn and drinks for a theater in downtown Hammond that while I was in high school. Then later I transitioned into as a cashier for a local grocery store. And through college, I bartended, um, waitressed, also did some retail sales. And finally, um, after working with Leo Burnett Advertising and their media research, as I worked also with a stock brokerage firm doing research, I then started working for a small business in the field of pipe valves and fittings as clerical, um, then went into sales and purchasing. Mm-hmm. And I was the first inside saleswoman in pipe valves and fitting industry in the Chicagoland area many years ago. So who are you selling to? We were selling to mechanical pipe contractors. We were selling to the steel mills. We were selling to nuclear plants. So we sold mostly in the Midwest. The Northwest Indiana and the South Side of Chicago at that time were the hub of steel making outside of Pittsburgh. And what was your day like as an inside salesperson at that time? It was interesting because it evolved. It went from just taking the orders from somebody else to actually then not only taking the orders, quoting the orders, as well as I was kind of inside outside. I had to go and negotiate some of the orders that were much larger because we were at that time, we had orders at four to ten loads of um, pipe were involved, 40,000 pounds of fittings, 40,000 plus pounds of valves. So it was a matter of not only understanding the marketplace, understanding the delivery, 
understanding the constraints of the client and then understanding the constraints of the small business that we have to make money. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of factors involved, which kind of gave a, <clears throat> a good foundation for starting my own practice. Right. So what was the impetus for starting your, your sales consulting business? Well, I, I retired from um, that business and I earned my master's. Well, I earned my teaching degree and I taught for five years. And in that process, I also earned my master's, lost my teaching degree, um, lost my teaching job rather, still had my teaching degree. And then I decided to do some research because I always enjoyed research. And in that research, I found that learning at the corporate level was almost as unsustainable as learning was at the K through 16 level. And I thought there had to be a developmental issue that people were not addressing. I did some more research and then opened up a, my practice focusing more on development as opposed to just say increasing sales, mm -hmm. bringing in that developmental piece into the sales training. So a professional development focus. Uh, yes, and understanding why people don't change behaviors. That's a developmental issue. It's not necessarily a skill issue. Right. So why that's, I'll ask the question is because this is certainly one of the primary topics and challenges confronting salespeople in general is, or managers in general is, you know, how do they motivate change and consistent ongoing change in salespeople? There are several factors I believe that need to be present. And I use the word need very carefully. Obviously we know about the word attitude attitude's important. I think a lot of people go into sales kind of like they went into education because they couldn't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. That may be me, as a matter of fact, yeah. <laughs> as a history major, what else was I going to do? Yeah, and, but if you have the right attitude, understanding that sales, as Zig Ziglar said, is a transference of feelings, and you respect and understand how you can nurture feelings in others to build those relationships, that's essential. And I think sometimes people attempt to shortchange the process. They're looking for the quick fix. And, and relationship selling and, and consultative selling, whatever you want to call it, the quick fix doesn't work. You may get that one-hit wonder, but it's not going to be sustainable. I think the other thing is there's a lot of talk about goals. From my experience, most people do not know how to, to consistently set and achieve their own goals. And if you can't achieve your own goals, I ask the question, how can you achieve the corporate goals? So what's the problem people have in, in setting up goals that they can achieve that you've seen in your practice? Well, first, they don't write them down. <laughs> yes. You'd think, something, you'd think something that basic was something that we had all learned and adopted by now. Well, I, I think it goes back to the theory of osmosis. Uh, there is a lot of assumptions out there that people learn through osmosis. I'll stand next to Andy and become the super salesperson, and it doesn't really work that way. What's really interesting is years ago I was doing a presentation, and it, you get these blinding thoughts when you're talking sometimes spontaneously, and I just asked the question about the written grocery list and went through the scenario of what happens when you don't take the written grocery list. And everyone agreed at the end that a written grocery list has significant value because of the lost time, the lost money, the lost emotions. I then asked the question, so how many of you have a written plan for the rest of your life? And nobody raised their hand. I think this is, you know, there is a presumption we have a written plan, but we don't. We place more value in the written grocery list and planning a vacation than we actually do in planning our lives, which may also explain why so many people are in debt, 
why a lot of people are not happy with what they're doing because they live day by day, moment by moment, and they're not really thinking about the future and how they can make that future better for themselves and for others. I think the final thing is numbers. Sales in small businesses, I mean, the larger corporations are very good about tracking numbers. Small businesses, even mid-sized businesses, salespeople really don't track their numbers. They don't know how many contacts it takes to get an appointment, how many of those appointments turn into actual sales. Right. They're not tracking metrics for themselves. No. And in a sales to success in anything, whether it's losing weight, whether it's saving money, whether it's increasing income, numbers are our friend. They're not our enemy. Yeah, I agree. And especially as we get into this world of big data, I mean, it becomes increasingly important. I mean, you write a lot about and work on process. Obviously, it's in the name of your, your URL, uh, your domain name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've surveyed just around 300 companies' sales process. And actually, what we found is that in this, that 72% of those companies that we surveyed actually don't have a written sales process, to your point, about not having written down a plan. I mean, so they basically, the number is about 42% just said they basically make it up as they go along. So what what's the danger there for a company that's trying to grow, trying to establish itself in a marketplace of just making it up as they go along? Well, years ago, a couple of colleagues of mine wrote a book called Failsafe Leadership, and they identified misalignment which I think answers that question. When we make it up as we go along, we misalign our actions to the actions of other people or the overall goals of the organization. Uh, They gave an example about a CEO who wanted to grow the company. The finance person cut the budget. The training person decided to put together some training for the new equipment. The capital person decided, well, we're going to work with our old equipment. Right. And so they all started writing goals, becoming engaged based upon how they interpreted, I want to increase sales. Because the CEO didn't give them any solid goal, specific goal, and they were all doing their own thing. It's another colleague of mine created the story called Captain Wing It. And the essence of it is there are so many people out there in Captain Wing It mold, they spray their actions all over the over the place, and then they pray something's going to stick. So your advice then for you know the leader of a small mid-sized enterprise, you know this this gets down to a process. In this case, the process is planning. You know what it, what is that ideal process that they should be implementing at a minimum? The ideal process starts with assessing. You have to assess where you are, um, also where you've been. Where do you see the market going? Uh, strategic planning is essential. I can't say enough about it because it looks at your market forces. It looks at how you can respond to those forces. It looks at your talents of your people within the organization, just not your salespeople, but everybody. It looks at your competitive advantage. Where can you outshine your competitors? It also looks at to where you have potential um, limitations. You know, limitations in marketing. Are you on social media? How well are you doing social media, as an example? Uh, Dwight Eisenhower said, um, plans are worthless, planning is everything. And I firmly believe that because you can change plans, but planning is all about applying critical thinking skills and taking and investing the time to think instead of, you know, doing it as you go along, making it up. Yeah, it has to be be deliberate. Yes, it has to be deliberate, it has to be intentional, 
And there has to be absolute crystal clarity. So everyone's going after the same target. One of the questions I ask small business owners, and very few can tell me the answer, is if I went up to everybody in your company and asked them this one question, how does this company make and keep money, would I get the same response from everybody? And they shake their head. And I said, so what, how many missed opportunities are you losing? Because everybody in the organization should know how the company makes money and how the company keeps money. So what do you recommend? So like an annual planning process, quarterly planning process, you know, when you're first starting off with a company and they maybe haven't had a plan, what's, you said they start with an assessment of where they are, their capabilities, their strengths, the market forces they're dealing with. You know, it's a fairly formal, formal process they have to go through. If they haven't done it before, you know, how do you recommend they really start? I mean, do they go hire a consultant to help them or what could they, how do they structure it internally? Well, they, they can, there are a lot of different ways. They can hire a consultant, they can hire a small business coach, they can go on the internet. There are some real simple planning sessions out there. Years ago, I created something called triage business planning, which reduces its bare bones planning just to get them to start thinking because they think they don't have enough time to do it. Um, whatever planning process someone engages in, they should have a formalized goal setting process to accomplish that so that we have this goal, okay, how are we going to execute the goal? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, after we assess, we get clarity, and from clarity, we can get execution. And, and that's what, what's missing in a lot of the small businesses going back to goal setting. You know, it can be just as simple as just sit down and write a couple goals down that you want your organization to achieve. And as you start seeing success in achieving those goals, now is the time, oh, okay, how much more success could I have if I did a little bit more? You know, strategic planning does take time. It's an investment. Um, if you do a really detailed process, it's probably 40 hours. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't include all the time you're working, gathering it all together and thinking it through. Right. That, that is time well invested. I mean, most people admit to wasting 12 minutes a day. That's an hour a week. So, yeah, and if, and if you think, you know, put it in the context where somebody said, look, I want to grow my business 5% and they'll say they're a, you know, $2 million a year business, you know, you could, with a little bit of planning, if you give yourself a greater chance at hitting that 5% and let's say you do hit 5% versus just hitting 4% or 3%, you know, over the course of 5, 10 years, you know, I've done math on that before, you know, it works out to you almost missing the chance to maybe double your company's revenues, you know, just missing your targets by small percentages every year over 10 years really adds up so it's the planning really becomes critical as you said to find those areas of focus and really pay attention to them and and then prioritize because what i have found and maybe if you found the same it's sometimes it's the smaller things that create the greater value however you can't find out what those smaller things are until you sit down and prioritize what needs to be done. I always separate either it's a people issue or a process issue. Where can you get the biggest bang for your buck? Mm-hmm. Shortest amount of time when you prioritize. What really needs to happen first? In many instances, it's something very small. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And small things can make the difference. And let's, let's talk about that a little bit after the break. So we're going to take a short break here. Stay with us. We'll be back with Leanne Hoagland-Smith. Talk more about her tips for improving your sales process within your company. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster 
by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Leanne Hoagland-Smith, author of a great book titled Be the Red Jacket in a Sea of Gray Suits. So tell us about that book. I love the title. I actually read it a few years ago uh, after we'd first met in Chicago. Um, So tell the audience what that book is about. The book was constructed specifically for small business owners under 20 employees for them to understand differentiation, to be successful in today's marketplace with over 70% of all small businesses being not employed, meaning a solo entrepreneur as the owner and salesperson mm-hmm. or service person and financial officer. Welcome to my world. Yes. How do you stand out with everybody hanging out their shields, whether they're a small business coach, a sales consultant, a realtor, a CPA, an attorney, an MD? And what I learned from my experience when I took the entrepreneurial plunge 18 years ago, that within five years, I learned I really knew nothing about marketing. I thought I did, but I thought marketing was going out, meeting and greeting people, kind of like what people say, you know, join the chambers, join this group, join that group. And I was really clueless. So I started a a voyage, and I'm still on that voyage, of learning how to better position myself, how to differentiate myself Mm -hmm. than those around me, having that cohesive message. And so red is a very emotional color. You'll see that with people when they're dressed up. They'll put a touch of red on because red attracts the eye. And the reason I said gray suits is there is so much similarity among people, small businesses, when they say what they do, they all look like a gray suit. So what is the key to differentiation then? If you're a small business or solopreneur, because I think you know, this is really an essential issue increasingly as, as marketplaces become more crowded, you know, in the eyes of customers, you know, if they're in a crowded market and they've got 10 choices to choose from, basically everybody looks alike. So how do you stand out? I, I think it it starts with having a powerful story, being able to have a compelling, emotionally centered message that has people coming up to you and asking you, tell me more. What I find is many small business owners confuse the how of what they do with the what of what they do. Mm-hmm. How is that they're the CPA, they're the real estate person. That's the how. The what are the results they deliver. The what is what makes them different from everybody else. And this is a journey. I was at a networking event and I had an epiphany when someone said, we're talking, and he says, well, how long have you been doing this? And I said, well, 18 years. He says, oh, so you're not one of those up and coming, everybody's a business coach. And I realized what I was saying was possibly letting people think I was just a new person to this industry as opposed to someone who's been around for a while. Or worse, you were just there while you were looking for a real job. Yes. So now I preface my little statement is with for the last 18 years. So now people know I just didn't enter this market in the last six months or the last couple years. It also implies that I've been fairly successful to be able to be a business owner for 18 years in this industry. 
So what's the lesson for a small business owner in terms of how they position themselves? Look for the results you deliver for your customers and align those results to your own passion. So give me an example. An example would be, I have an, a financial client and she's attempting to differentiate herself and we, just, we were talking about it and she says, I just love to fire up people to love money. And I said, so why can't you say that? You know, I fire up people to love money. That's a lot more emotionally beneficial to someone who's listening than saying, well, I'm a financial advisor with yada, yada, yada company. Mm -hmm. And it's because your passion comes through when you say, I fire up people to love money. Great example. And so that it's just finding out, aligning again, what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about problem solving and process. And then creating, crafting a message that, you, that unites your passion with your results. And it's, don't be afraid to toot your own horn. Yeah, in a very respectful right. and professional way. Because people hire people to get results. They don't hire people because um, in real estate, I've been writing a series of blog postings about real estate since you and I were talking a little earlier, we're relocating. And I have to say, not all, but far the majority, and I'm going to say majority being 75% of those in real estate, really are clueless about marketing. They have no sales skills. They don't know the difference between a benefit and a result, which I just find amazing. There was a report out there that was commissioned through the National Association of Realtors called the Danger Report, and it broke it down to different aspects in the real estate industry, including agents, brokers, and whatnot. And the very first danger for real estate agents is the incompetency of real estate agents, which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, as part of the issue in the real estate is that it's an industry that tends to attract people during boom times. Um, that, you know, my impression has been is that, you know, there's a core, maybe it's that 25% you talk about, maybe it's a little bit higher, that, that you know, their career, their lifers in the business, and they become the real pros and... Then we see a lot of people coming sort of in and out of the market, similar to you know, sales consultants and business coaches. And, and, and again, um, people gravitate to what they think is going to make them a quick buck. Yeah. I mean, how many business coaches have I observed and sales coaches and what do you kind of call them, leadership development, OD people, that they are terminated from one job and so they decide I'm going to be a coach without any formal training, with limited experience, maybe never been in a management position, and they're out there instructing other people, and you just kind of shake your head. <laughs> well, it gets back to your point before, that you know, if you're going to engage this type of, of resource, is, you know, find the people that, like yourself that have been out there doing it for, for 18 years, or at least check their, check their references and make sure that uh, they've got track record that says they can provide the outcomes to you that, that you, uh, you want. And isn't it ironic that people will, you know, will research so many things, but when it comes to hiring a marketing person or hiring a business coach or even an attorney, they won't ask for references. I tell all my clients, ask for three references and be able to call those people and ask, okay, were you happy with the results this company delivered for you? Right. So it takes you a half an hour or more, but you're going to be much happier when you really find out, yes, this is the right company for you. 
Well, again, that's that should be when we talk about process. That should be part of your process that you have as you're trying to grow your business. Is you have limited amount of time, limited amount of resources. So make sure that you spend your time and your resources wisely by getting the right people to do the right jobs for you. You're absolutely right there, Andy. Yeah. Well, good. So why don't we move into the last segment of our talk here today and um, rapid fire, I call it sales corner. We've got some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. So first question, what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Writing. Writing? Writing. I like it. And why is that? Because I get clients from writing. Okay. Name the one tool you use today for sales or sales management that you can't live without. Probably my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> That's funny. You're not the only one who said that. It's you know, something so so useful about Excel, right? Yes. And you know, it doesn't warrant for me to buy a CRM system. I can use Excel and I use it for tracking sales, for statements of work, for contact. Um, I just love it. Who is your sales role model? My father. He was in sales, professional sales his entire life. I learned a lot from him from working in the sundry store to later on in life when we would talk about um, what motivates people to buy you as a salesperson. So would you say that's the most important thing you'd learn from him about sales? Yes. His three buying rules, well, his two buying rules were the most important things I learned. I added a third one. And they are? Um, people buy from people they know and trust. Mm -hmm. Did not use the word like because he explained like was to take them home for dinner. He says, there's a lot of people I buy from, but I wouldn't take them home from dinner. <laughs> yeah. The second one is people buy on emotion first, justified by logic. And then my third one I added, which I get some contention from my fellow sales experts, is people buy on value unique to them, meaning salespeople cannot create value. All they can do is connect to the value drivers of the buyer. Okay. Those are the three like it. Thank so you. what's the one book that every salesperson should read? Right now, the one book I would recommend is To Sell as Human by Dan Pink. Okay, good book. What's your favorite music to listen to, to psych yourself up for a sales call? Oh, okay. I, I Classical music probably mm -hmm. is always in the background. All right. And then the theme to... Um, one of the Star um, Trek um, series. Okay. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? I do my marketing metrics. Meaning? I capture all the data from the previous day, enter them into an Excel spreadsheet, and okay, determine what is happening with my marketing. So in terms of visitors to your website and engagement on social media and so on. How many books have been sold on Amazon for Be the Red Dracket? LinkedIn visitors, um, what what are they looking on as far as postings at LinkedIn, tweets, uh, Bitly um, clicks, how many have clicked on the Bitly, all mm -hmm. the metrics. Good process to have, by the way, that people should pay attention to is make sure, you know, you're investing in these, in your marketing, you got to track to make sure it works and what's working, what's not, and change that that's not and do more of that that is. What's, uh, what's your favorite social media tool? Hootsuite. And why do you like it? Because in about 20 minutes, you can make a lot of scheduling of social media postings, have consistency, congruency, and not have to worry about it during the rest of the week. Yeah, I like it. I use it as well. So the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople. How can I close more deals? The last question for you. So what do you do every day to improve, to get better, whether it's in work or in life? 
I'm an avid reader, so I probably read at least one hour a day, as, and I split that between business and non-business. What non-business book are you reading now? I am reading a series of short stories by H.G. Wells. Oh, geez, great classics. That I hadn't ever seen, so um, it was a freebie. Mm -hmm. And so I've been reading that, so I, I grab maybe one short story a night. It's, it's just been fascinating. Um, he, one was about <clears throat> a, uh, a globe. It, and it, it's just his mind, I, I find his mind to be fascinating. And how he thought about all this stuff in the late 1800s, mm -hmm. early 1800s, is just, you know, the science fiction writers of years ago were just incredible forward thinkers. Yeah, yeah, and Wells in general. So... Uh, great. Well, Leanne, thank you very much. It's been great to have you on the show. Well, and how can people find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Leanne Hoagland Smith. I'm on Twitter at Coach Lee. I'm also on Facebook, um, Advanced Systems or Be the Red Jacket. Or you can just pick up the phone call, 219-508-2859 Central Time. I'm in the Chicagoland time zone. Yeah, at least for now, right? At least for now, then we're going to be moving west to the mountains. Oh, there you go. Good. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And for our listeners, remember, make it a part of your day every day to learn something new, something to help you amp up your business. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, I want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.